Greetings and welcome to Dead for Filth. I'm Michael Verratti, and this is the podcast for all things queer, horror, and beyond. I am so excited to have in the studio today a double act of devilish delight. <laughs> uh, let me first introduce you to them both individually, and then I will tell you uh, all about their creepy goings-on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first, uh, we've got Matthew Scott Montgomery with us here. He has appeared on many, many different shows and films. He starred in the Disney Channel series So Random. He was in mm-hmm. Del Shore's Southern Baptist Sissies. He's a prolific playwright. Most recently, he did Dead Boys, oh. which played here at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. Mm-hmm. Joining him and me today is Daniel Montgomery, who is also a prolific actor, has appeared in such shows as Mom, Insecure, Enlightened, uh, and is one of the creative team behind Creep LA. And together, they are the hosts of Welcome to Deadcast, a podcast devoted to all things R.L. Stein and Goosebumps. Hell yeah. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks. Thanks we for all, having We also us. have the same face. Yeah, it's true. Twinsies. And sort of the same voice. Yeah, oh, sometimes, oh wow. I guess. Yeah. My <laughs> second set of twins on Dead for Phil. Second is the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I will start the show as I always do uh, with the same first question, and I'm going to ask you, this is for you both, why horror? And you can answer that however you like. Uh, interpret it as you will. What drew you to it? What what do you like about it? You know, since I'm such a huge fan of this podcast, I knew this question was coming, and Same. I've been thinking about it a lot for, like, genuinely weeks, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm just jumping right in. Do it. Um, and I get, I feel like we get that question a lot, and I feel like sometimes it's it coincides with Halloween. Like, people are like, why do you love Halloween so much? Like, that kind of thing. And I don't know, and I'd love to, like, kind of break down how LGBT it's related, but I genuinely feel like a love for horror is a DNA thing. It's like you're kind of born that way. Because from our fur- our furthest memories of being just like little baby witches cackling at each other, the way we should tell that story. We should. Um, uh, I just remember loving Halloween. Yes, and I don't know why. I, I think I can break down kind of why maybe. And do it. But I, but <laughs> I genuinely, and I'll, I'll do it in a second. You guys just wait. In mere moments, I'm going to do it. Um, but I feel like to begin with, it's generally something you're born with. You know what I mean? Like I think you're drawn to... Like, I remember us just loving Halloween. I one of my first memories is eating a Halloween cupcake on the kitchen counter. And we were obsessed with Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. That's, like, the first, like, movie memory I, like, really have is us reenacting it upstairs in the art room in that house in Texas. Yeah, something like that. Do you remember that? I, we, I do want to cut in and ask the hard question yeah. that no one ever really asks. Nightmare Before Christmas, Halloween movie or Christmas movie? Um, Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, that's oh, usually the happy we, medium. And it's also <laughs> for me, it's like, and I don't really want to talk about Christmas, but for me, it's like a love actually. I've seen it so much now that I never need to see it yes, again. I'm no right. shade. No, no right. shade at all. But like, that's one where it's like, I feel like Dan and I, we clocked our like, oh. um, our quota. We, we put for in the, our time. We, we really, really did. And it's like, we had that moment. Although if it, it, here in LA, if it plus, plays El Capitan, sometimes we like to go to see that's it. That's true. Um, yeah, I went to the baby story when we, I'm, I'm talking, I'm the only one talking today. Sorry, Daniel. It's, it's um, cool. Um, uh, when we, <laughs> true story, when we were little babies in our cribs, like separate cribs, one morning, my mother heard us just laughing 
like, and she said it was cackling. It, we cackled like witches. And she, it was early in the morning. She walked into like our room, and Daniel and I were just little babies holding onto the bars of our separate cribs, staring at each other, cackling in the morning. And that's how she found us one day, little just witches. looking at each other, looking in our faces, and just laughing. We still do it every every morning. Yeah, we roll over in our cribs. <laughs> um, I, so here are my here are my thoughts on on why horror, and then I want you to break down why you think. Yeah. Okay. I I feel like. I have also been thinking about this question. And for me, horror, anything, it feels like anything is possible with horror. So I'm like, why do I love it so much? Everybody loves a good scream, I think. There's like some magic kind of release that comes. But I also feel like suspicious when people don't. Yeah, horror is such a great equalizer. So for me, I get some deep, dark, twisted delight in seeing people really scared. Mm. And I think, you know, working on creep LA and all these weird immersive shows that I, that I've done. That's one of my favorite parts is to see people um, just absolutely shook and uh, mortified. And <laughs> I just, I just, everybody gets scared at some point mm. and it's just seems like some great equalizer among everybody, yeah. but also with horror, horror can be, you know, horror can be sad. It can be um, funny. It can be, uh, there can be sci-fi elements. There can be right. like fantasy elements that can be filled with rage. There's so much you can do with horror that I feel like it just ties every sort of genre together, or can tie every sort of genre together, and that's so exciting to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've always said that horror, when at its best, can be the one genre that uh, truly allows you to say things you can't say mm. anywhere else. It, that's part of my breakdown, is that I think we grew up in the South, um, we moved around a little, a fair amount, but like with the majority of, of our childhood was in the South. And as I get older, the more I realize we're both actors. And like um, when I was a kid, I was so drawn to, even though this is not horror, Harriet the Spy was one of my favorite things ever. And part of the reason why I loved it so much is because there's a lot of drama mm-hmm. in that movie. There's like, you know, with the first 15 minutes, like Rosie O'Donnell leaves and she's crying and like Harriet, Michelle Trachtenberg like yells back at her parents. And there's a part of Southern culture where you just pretend everything's okay and you shove it down really, really deep. And I was addicted to the drama of watching this and I needed to express myself in some way. Right. And I feel like with horror, you get to scream and if you're not screaming you're not living and there's this idea that I feel like and the more the older I get the more I see it as a kid where I would watch certain shows or movies or, or horror films we used to reenact we used to run around chasing each other with kitchen knives when we were younger yes. and my mom would take away the knife <laughs> there's something about like reenacting and getting to live through this horror experience where you get to exorcise all those demons whether it's LGBT related that are shoved down in southern culture right. and so I'm addicted to that feeling I feel like if I'm not screaming I'm not living that's one thing I love so much about what Daniel's created with Creep Los Angeles and Lore which is about to open here in, in LA is that it's an immersive haunted experience it's, it's a lot of what they do. It's the closest you can be to being inside a horror film. And what Creep Los Angeles does so well is it's kind of deliberate and slow in the build in a lot of places. There's not there's a lot of jump scares, but it's not just that. You go through an experience that's like an hour long, and you get to like go through all of that stuff, which I feel like as a kid, maybe on the surface, we just had to pretend everything was fine. But I felt this addiction to needing to express myself in some way and getting that out through horror, I feel like. All right, all right. 
And I think what's interesting is, you know, you discussed this with Creep LA, and I know that you've done several, Matthew, you've done several uh, plays yeah. that are in the genre vein. Yes. And is there for you something very specific about bringing genre to a live audience? Because you said how it kind of feeds you as an entertainer. Yeah. Is It could be that maybe horror and comedy are the two kind of genres that you get that instantaneous reaction mm. when people are scared. Yeah. You well, know. I, I always, you know, I, I also do a lot of sketch comedy, and so, there's something Thing, uh, I don't know. It's, it's not a power trip necessarily, but there's something exciting about um, eliciting uh, a physical response from somebody, mm -hmm. and it's like you're controlling their breath. You know, wh whether they're laugh laughing or screaming, you are changing the way they breathe. Yeah, right. And there's something so sort of like primal and uh, I don't know about that in a way. Um, last year I, I wrote and put up a haunted Christmas play called Silent Night Spook Night. Oh, I came and saw it. Yes. It was awesome. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and um, I got to live one of my dreams by doing that show in that there it, it was a it was an anthology of scenes and the last scene that I wrote for myself was me and this other guy were trapped in a cabin in the middle of the woods during a snowstorm and there was this faceless witch that was outside that was sucking people's souls out as they do um, yeah. and but what i love so much about doing it was that i wanted to you know, trick people into coming to this spooky experience, but then get to watch a real scene between two gay guys that kind of skewed dramatic. Right. And so, like, w there was a moment when I was on stage, and I, what you're saying, Daniel, about, like, controlling people's breath, where my, my cast member or my co-star, Andrew, and I were, you know, we're having this really dead serious discussion about how this faceless witch, you know, sucked his sister's soul out, but we're, like, flirting with each other at the same time and taking completely seriously. Right. And then and behind us, a faceless witch comes on stage, and then you can hear the audience's reaction to that. And that moment was really an amalgamation for me of all my wildest dreams come true, because I'm, like, with this, like, really cute guy, and we're having a real moment where we're connecting, and people get to see me in that. But also there's a faceless witch that is about to kill all of us and in the audience you can hear it all happening right yeah everyone's perfect date night really <laughs> I, oh yeah mine Stick specifically that yeah <laughs> yeah 100 well you've brought it up a few times and of course it is one of the the uh, aims of discussion of this show the relation between the lgbtq experience and the genre mm -hmm. do you think um for fans there is kind of a intrinsic melding of those things hmm especially in the queer space for queer creators um, I don't know if this is exactly going to answer your question, but I just remembered something. The first time I was publicly acknowledged as gay was in a haunted house. Oh, yes. And this is fascinating. Daniel and I were in a haunted house in San Dimas or somewhere, somewhere like really that. far away. And well, really far away. Yeah. I like San that. Dimas. Wow. In Los Angeles, a suburb 20 miles away is really it far away. It was really away. far away. It was Santa Monica. She might, have, might as well have lived in France. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you live in West Hollywood and you're dating a guy in Santa Monica, it's a long distance relationship, by the way. I'm sorry. It's, um, a, it's not. Yeah, you work. will not even know if they're dead for days. No, like, was just, yeah. no way. Um, we were just, we went just the two of us, this haunted house, and it was a guy, I think, dressed as a witch. It was a guy dressed as a witch. And he said to me, I, do you remember this, Daniel? Well, he goes, he, first of all, he sort of jumped out and scared us, and we screamed. And he goes, I'm going to scare you boys straight again. He said, family knows family. family. And I remember. <laughs> and we were so shocked. And, and Daniel was out at the point at that time already. I wasn't out yet. 
and there was something so warm and comforting about that situation. About that, that gay witch. I didn't want to leave that haunted house because that witch knew me. That witch <laughs> saw me, saw me for who I was. And I, I wanted to turn around and hug that witch and live in that haunted house in that parking lot in San Dimas. Because, and that was all related. It was his first like LGBT horror experience. And it was this beautiful moment, really. I think there's a movie there. I mean, I mean, kind of, yeah. The, ta- the tagline is family knows family. Family knows family. <laughs> the queer haunted house. <laughs> experience yeah well i you know what i always say uh, we we are just about to open creep la is about to open our next show next week current where as we're We're dating dating us i know as we are recording and it should be open by the time you listen to this maybe and i always say that we have a lot of guests that come through the show and a lot of guests are problem people we have drunk people that come through um, uh, sort of like aggro guys that need to like show that they're not scared and I always say to the cast that the best guest is a gay I wish I could we could have a night of just gay guys because they are the they get it they are the best yes they are the best with horror I feel like and this is a generalization but I feel like gay people are are in on the joke of life you know what I mean? Like we mm-hmm. we know that heteronormativity is is a bunch of bullshit created by someone a, a thousand years ago, and it doesn't mean anything. Right. And it's like what RuPaul says: it's like we're 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 outside the matrix and we see it for what it is. Right. So because we can peek behind the curtain, we watch everything happen around us, and that way you c- that's why we love camp because we understand the winking of it and like the horror element when horror and comedy are related too. I feel like that's something as the LGBT experience we we can see that from an outside perspective. You know, I think there's probably truth to that when uh uh warner brothers did that pop-up haunted house for it mm-hmm. over on hollywood and vine yeah. i took like a gaggle of gays with me yeah. and uh Work. we got we got paired with this group of uh of girls and their boyfriends and they were all freaking out and we were just having the best time yeah, yeah. and it's probably because like okay there's pennywise and he's scary but this isn't even the worst thing i've seen today oh, i was completely. reading i was reading straight twitter earlier so oh, you know yeah. like <laughs> That's no, the truth. To it to me was one of the funnest. I laughed the entire time, and like I think that's why we like, we're like drawn to Pennywise as the LG, it kind of. It's like the Babadook thing, and, and that because, like I said, you wanted to hug that gay witch. You want to hug Pennywise because <laughs> I got you, girl. What's really scary is is that teacher who wouldn't look at you in eighth grade. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or those guys that used to beat you up, or like. You know, I've I've genuinely, we both have genuinely terrifying experiences of things that happened to us in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yes, mm-hmm. that is scary. That's uncomfortable. But what makes me, well, I literally fall asleep to horror films yes, every Halloween. night. Like it was Halloween. The first ten minutes of Scream is like a lullaby to me. Yeah, I you know what I mean. That feels like a warm hug to me compared to some of the stuff that we've had to go through. I don't know what that means. Well, <laughs> I mean. There might be a psychological issue there. But yeah. Do I sound really? Do we sound really fucked up right now? No, no. I watch horror movies before I go to bed as well, uh, and I think that y- it. I've often said this on the podcast, so this is probably my most repeated quote. But I think it's because it does hold merit. And it's uh, Wes Craven had said that we don't watch horror films for fear; we watch it for catharsis. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. I think that what we're saying here is really just backing that up a hundred percent. Because when you are in on the joke and you're in on the camp and you understand that the monsters of movies are uh, this sort of existential other Mm -hmm. that you can kind of project your own issues onto and put them away, Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to deal with a Freddy or a Jason than a larger intangible world that doesn't accept you. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Wow, we solved all of our problems today. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but I do think that um, one of the things that a lot of horror fans have in common is we tend to find it early on. We discover it in childhood or maybe it's just built in. And that yeah. leads me to something that I know is very dear to both of you, so much so that you host a podcast about it, uh, and that's Goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Because yes. for a whole generation of kids, a lot of them, uh, the gateway was R.L. Stein and the mm-hmm. Goosebumps stories. And uh, you host Welcome to Deadcast. I know that you're both very committed to R.L. Stein and his mm-hmm. work. And I, I want to know, just for our listeners, um, what brought you there? I think um, I think one of the things simplest is that we, we moved quite a bit between second, third, fourth, and fifth grade. We hopped yeah. from Texas to New Jersey to North. We were, we were hopping all around. One thing that was consistent for us was every month there was going to be a new Goosebumps book. Right. And so it's like in those formative years, you know, that was something that we could hold on to. So I think there's an element to that as well. Yeah. And just literally, if you look at the T-shirts we're all wearing today, um, uh, there's something about the colorful colors that look like how I feel on the inside. Right. And how I felt as a kid. You know what I mean? I, I think, yes, Matthew and I both were really big, avid readers when we were young. Mm. And it just hit us at exactly the right time. And... It, 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 yes. Yeah, and the television of, show came out wi- right when we were transitioning to cartoons to live action-y kind of stuff. Yeah, it just was like the perfect magic mix. And I think there is a, a, a little bit of um, R.L. Stein loves his twist endings and his uh, cha- chapter breaks where ridiculous things are about to happen. Yeah. And there's something to me about those twist endings that he's so famous for that uh, it, it, it really... Like, touched me deep inside yeah. and sort of created this kind of little sp- spark of anticipation for how this story was going to turn out. Yeah. And it was always, it was always inevitable, but it was always a surprise. Yeah. And for me, I think as a, as a young kid, we both um, were able, to, similar to what we were just talking about, some, able to sort of step out of the books yeah. and realize that they are intended to scare, but had a little bit of, dark twisted humor about it yeah right. so it kind of felt like as we were reading we were also in on that joke yeah and knew that there would be some crazy ridiculous twist that we would be absolutely living for i would always for me with the goosebumps books um w- w- i was always a champion of when it would skew more fucked up and dark and scary than the the, the horror stuff i feel like as kids both we kind of didn't appreciate entertainment that like pandered to children. Yes. I always wanted things to Same. be a little bit more adult, a little bit more dangerous. I never graduated to Stephen King. I'm still stuck in Arlstein. Daniel, you did. I, Daniel's a little I, more mature anyway. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yes, yeah. I did start reading Stephen King as early as third as third grade, mm. which I should not have been reading it. At. I started reading him really early too. What was your first King book? My first one was uh, Road Work. Wow, you yes. went like for a deep cut. That was my first Stephen King book, and I was so I'm so strange and OCD and the anyway, but I would keep a journal and r- write down how many pages I read that day, <laughs> and then at the end of every book, it, it would take up a page. At the end of every book, I would write when the book was published and have. Um, how many days it took me to read the book, and then I would start a new page and start with another book. And for some reason, I think, I don't know, uh, Roadwork was not Stephen King's first book by any means, but it was the first one that I remember seeing. I made a conscious choice. I like horror. I I know who, I've heard of Stephen King. I want to read Stephen King. And that was the first book I remember seeing in a bookstore 
clean and fresh and new. And I thought, I'm going to start with this one. And mm-hmm. that's going to be my first book. And then I moved on to It mm-hmm. and uh, The Shining and Carrie. And I don't, I had no clue what I was reading, really. Yeah. But um, yeah, I started weird. My first one was Salem's Lot, and mm-hmm. it scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember thinking that, like, uh, there was someone in the crawl space above my room. Uh, and I kept telling my mom, like, there's someone up there. And my mom's like, okay, look, you. It's just these rusty old pipes in this old house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then at the same time, I was still keeping up with R.L. Stein. I used yes. to love Fear Street because I Fear was. Street. Whoa. Yeah. Those God, I fucking love Fear Street. We're planning on once we get through all the Goosebumps to books, do Fear there's quite Street. a few, but. I have so many thoughts on Fear Street uh, because I just love, like, they were so definitively 80s where it's like the cheerleaders are possessed. Yeah. The popular girl is getting revenge. Yeah. You know, it's just so good. Oh, can I give you, I'm going to ruin Fear Street books for you. It's always the best friend. Always. Oh, for sure. Like, it's. I just love that there, to me, I just love that there was a murder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also like that here's this small town and they're like, oh, that's Fear Street. I'm like, you named a. Street, Fear Street. <laughs> Simon Shady Fear here at Shady Side High. Um, a couple weeks ago, I went to my pa- my parents have a house in Palm Springs. I went to get away for by myself for like oh. three days to like. There's a pilot that I was writing that I wanted to work on, um, and but all I did instead was during the day was I read The Babysitter, The Babysitter Two, The Babysitter Three, and The Babysitter Four by Arl Stein. I'm in one day. Um, they're not Fear Street books, but it's kind of like an offshoot of that. Right. And there's something so delicious about those early '90s teenage babysitter Arl Stein books, just. Like filled with murder. Do you okay? I'm going to test your RL Stein okay. knowledge. How well do you do you know his publications? Um, would I you think, say? Pr- I think pretty, pretty well. well. Do you know what his first book was? Um, it was Blind Date, published in 1987, which would make this year the 30th anniversary. Work! Oh wow, that's awesome. This year was the 25th anniversary, and July was the 25th anniversary of the first Goosebumps. But yeah. of course, you know that. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh, he uh, he actually said that to me when I met him at Comic Con. No, I'm uh, no, 100% true because I love Blind Date, his first book. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I love the, the cover, cover of that. The the door, the, the that finger nailed finger. I have an, that yeah, a copy of my place. What I like about that book is it kind of like is, in a way, a student film in the way that, you know, when there's that first movie that a filmmaker makes trying and they're like, I may, ne- well, not even trying to figure it out. They're like, I may never get to make another movie again. Yeah. So I'm going to put everything <laughs> yeah. in it. Yeah. And so <laughs> Blind Date's like, He's on the football team, but accidentally cripples this person, and then there's a cheerleader out for revenge, but a lunatic escapes the insane asylum, and I'm just like, why is this not a movie I'm yet? I'm going to reread it before the year's over. And it's when so good. I was trekking around uh, pitching TV movies, I tried so hard to sell uh, Blind Date as a TV movie, and I think you, we would have to get him to sign off on it. But I think He would. That, He's so I'm sure not he precious would. about his stuff at all. But... Uh, I just love, you know, that's my favorite. Uh, oh, it's man. kind of like from the foundation from which this all yeah. was built. Um, and I was going to ask you why this all still endures for you, because there are nostalgia things that we have in childhood that we love, but also sort of also let go. Yeah. But I think this conversation also is revealing that it's just still well, delicious, well, too. Well, a couple years... I know what you're gonna say. It's it's kind of crazy, I guess. But what Daniel and I, as as recent as like four or five years ago, if we're like, what are you doing tonight? Do you want to play the Goosebumps game? And what we would do is Daniel would. I have all the Goosebumps books in my apartment. Daniel came over to my apartment, and we've done this since we were kids. Is we lay all the Goosebumps books out. I can't believe I'm saying this. We lay all the Goosebumps books out like on the floor. We appreciate them. Daniel gets the odd books. I get the even books. We take turns picking up the book, reading everything's on the cover, and then we read the first sentence and the last sentence of every book, and we go through all sixty. Too. And it takes a few hours. It takes a few hours to do all of it. And well, we always say that 
you know, when when we were younger, I mean, we loved Goosebumps more than anything and thought, wow, I wonder when in 10 years, 15 years, what is when when I'm a when I'm an adult, <laughs> what am I going to love as much as I love Goosebumps? Like, I wonder how our tastes and our and our like preferences will grow. And it turns out it's still we just never grew Goosebumps. up. There's still nothing I love. Is, I thought I'd find something I love more. I and never it turns did. Out we never did. And that's how it's going to be. And a, fr- a friend of ours, um, her name's Cat Wells. She has two podcasts. One is called Boys and Ghouls. It's I love a, Cat Wells. Yeah. yeah love she's Cat really cool. to murder yeah. for. Um, and then she has a Sex and the City podcast with her husband, Alec, called Carry On, which is analyzing Sex and the City 15, I guess 16 now years later. And we were guest starring that podcast. And we're like, I was like, damn, Daniel. I was like, we always like talk about Goosebumps books on our own. We might as well do a motherfucking podcast for it. And yeah. with like a 90s nostalgia resurgence, right. we have like a really great fan base that was kind of thirsty for it. Yeah, you hit it at the right time, yeah. honestly. Uh, I do have this to say about Sex and the City because I never get to talk about this. Let's and talk, talk about, about it. it. Well, it's just real quick because, you know, especially among gays, there's that whole thing where it's like, I'm a Carrie, I'm a Samantha, or she's uh-huh. such a Charlotte. No one ever says they're Mar- a Miranda, and I believe You're- it's because everyone's actually a Miranda because she's the real-life character. all of our friends are Miranda. I mean, like, all I, of us are Miranda. Yeah. I feel like everyone says that they're Carries. Well, everyone thinks they're a Carrie or no, so no. they think e- they are. Everybody says that they're Carrie, but if you actually really sit down and watch the episodes, you realize that no one is Carrie. Yeah. And why would you want to be? No, you She's should. a terrible person. She's yeah. a great TV character. I can be a Carrie sometimes. I think you I can identify as, sometimes. as a Carrie slash Miranda slash someone else who wants to be a Samantha but will never be. I mean, I'm probably a Carrie White, but I'm not a Carrie <laughs> Bradshaw. <laughs> hey, Michael, may I tell you a se- uh, This isn't a secret. Um, well, it's on a podcast. Podcast, so I don't piece of trivia in high school. I went to prom with a girl named Carrie White. What? Yes, oh, that's wow. amazing. Isn't that crazy? And I, I hope your prom turned out better. I just started I rewatching. Know. I just started watching. <laughs> this is how nuts I am. What I've been doing lately is like millennial attention span. I like will DVR a bunch of stuff and I'll watch two minutes of one, move to something, watch two minutes of something else, move to a third thing, watch two minutes of that, and cycle all the way through. As a type A personality, that horrifies me. Yeah, me, can... me too. I couldn't <laughs> do it. Well, see, right now what I'm, I'm watching is writing down how many chapters I'm reading of road work. <laughs> no, that's like. So for me, what I'm, even as early as this morning, I've been watching 1925 Phantom of the Auditorium. I'm watching House and Haunted. Phantom of, the, Phantom of the Opera. Wow, Phantom of the Opera. Wow, I'm yeah, so You just goosebumps. Whoa. So. <laughs> um, no, 1925's version of Phantom of the Auditorium when those teens. Okay. Um, no, 1925, Phantom of the Opera, which is terrifying, by the way. House and Haunted Hill from the, the Vincent Price one. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, which I've never seen all the way through, and I'm now never? watching it. And I, I've oh. never seen it all the way through. Welcome to Dracula time, from 1994, which is fucking awesome, by the, the way. The Francis Ford Coppola one. Yes. Yeah. And uh, that, to me, I still love the opening where his shadow is independent it's of him. Yeah. incredible. Yeah. Why don't we talk about that movie more? I'm only 34 minutes in right now. Um, I think we don't talk about the movie more, honestly, because if you've ever Keanu read the Reeves? book, he just kind of made some shit up. When he oh. <laughs> but otherwise, it's, uh, it is, it's deliciously, yeah. you know. And my fifth thing I'm watching is the Carrie remake with with way too gorgeous Chloe, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. Well, oh. and that's the problem. I don't buy her as the Never. ostracized kid. Like I'm if sorry, I look at her, she's makeuped up with with DSLs that are gorgeous and like kind of pink hair. I don't buy. And we are told they that la- she's a dork, but we don't actually see her as a loser. We just like she's way too. Well, she's they Lainey Bogster. That's a she's yeah. all that reference for yeah. you kids who are like too too young to know. Yeah. But yeah, because she's just like, oh, she's so unfortunate, and then they take the glasses off and they're like supermodel. And yeah. I'm like, no, that's always been Rachel. She's cook. Like it's always good, yeah. walking down the hallway in slow motion with wind. Yeah. yeah. And she's hysterically distractingly gorgeous. I love her. She's gorgeous. Right. Um I do want I do have one last goosebumps question. I was thinking about it while we were talking. I might as well bring it back. Sure. Do it. Uh in all of those books and there are many many many. I'm not going to ask you your favorite, 
but I am going to ask you. We're ready. If you had to live inside the world of one Goosebumps book, which one would it be? You want to go first? We've been asked this before. Yes. Yes. I, I, oh, I, it, it, for me, it would be a shocker on Shock Street. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the more I think about it, it's a Shocker on Shock to Street. To me, it really Once would be. Tell, or, if people don't know Shocker on Shock Street, what's Shocker it about? Shocker on Shock Street is... Number 35. Yes, is about, <laughs> is about uh, two kids that go test out a theme park based around a horror movie studio. Okay. So they get Fuck, to ride good. a skeleton roller coaster through a haunted house. They get to uh, run through a graveyard. They get to be attacked by um, giant silver praying mantises. My only actual fear is praying mantises. And it really? is yes, it, it is just chock full of horror schlock magic goodness. Yeah, and it is just terror central. There's so many twists. It is just. I mean, why? Why would you want to live at a horror? Yeah, when theme you really park? think about by, just meet you and your best friend in a horror theme park all day, the, all night. Can we tell the twist at the end? Oh, should we? I mean, the twist at the end is it turns out they're not kids at all. They're, they're robots. robots. <laughs> oh, my God. It's Westworld. It's yeah. R.L. Stein's Westworld. Shocker on Shock World. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yes, but um, also I would really love to be a Night of the Living Dummy, and Matthew and I would be Chris and Lindy and would have Mr. Yeah, Wood Slappy and then also the Haunted Mask because it's Halloween. I have to say my piece for, I mean, uh, to me, unequivocally, the best Goosebumps book is, is the, the Haunted, Haunted Mask. Mask, and that's the first television episode that was ever made. And if you – if if you guys are listening to this and you haven't seen the television episode of The Haunted Run. Mask, it's actually a really like beautifully made drama. It's it like good. really, yeah. really well done. I'll some of them are on. campy and, and silly, and, and some of the episodes are really bad. But that one I actually think is a masterpiece. And again, I think it's this like drama thing that I was drawn towards because – on the well, surface, it's, it's about Halloween, but it, what it's really about is a girl who's being bullied, and she doesn't want to be herself anymore, so she has to put on this mask. And so yeah. she's going to scare the bullies that have terrorized her. And there's her. something about that revenge story, and she kind of becomes this Pixar supervillain because the mask takes her over, and she becomes really evil, but it comes from a place of hurt, which I think is so like astute and like really smartly written and kind of devastating. And the only thing that saves her is the plaster of Paris head of herself a, that her mother made her That's a symbol class. of love. Come which on. is very specific. Oh, man, if I was tired enough and drunk enough i would sob to that yeah. maybe not even at all I just, that's the piece of entertainment i've seen the most out of Same anything here. that's ever Same existed here. so i feel like i'd be betraying my true sense of self if i didn't have that as my answer of which ep- which book i would want to be in the most it's the haunted mass right uh <laughs> my favorite and i don't know what this says about me i would want to live in monster blood okay yeah, sure yeah Atlanta? Sh- yeah well i mean i just kind of like uh the idea that i could Stay with your, your weird, great, your great, great aunt, aunt Catherine. Catherine. Well, I want to. I want a giant gerbil. Oh, totally. Or so like Monster Blood so Two. But that's like the whole Monster Blood. It's a trilogy. It's a whole. It's a shared no, universe. A four. There's four. A, and there's oh. a fifth one. Goosebumps. Um, Horrorland. There's one called Monster Blood for breakfast. I got Monster Blood schooled. Well, yeah, you did. <laughs> you don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, so previously uh, on Dead for Filth. Yeah, that was very. T- you know. Welcome back. And that that's what you missed on Glee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so previously on Dead for Filth, we had uh, Edmund and Gary Antonon, yes. who were also twins. Mm-hmm. And we talked to them uh, a little bit about horror's fascination with twins. Mm. And uh, I can't pass up the opportunity to ask you, what do you think it is about twins and twindom that attracts the genre? 
Um, this is also one of those things that I have to step outside and look at it from other other people's perspective because Dana and I don't know any different of what it's like to be not not be a twin. So to me, it's a little bit of participating in this otherness of people seeing us for what we are because to me, I've only ever been myself, so I don't like right. identify necessarily as that. Do you agree with that, Dana? Yes, I totally understand what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, sometimes people are like, what it's like being a twin? I'm like, well... I don't know. I don't know. Um, someone asked me, are oh, you are you you or your brother? I was like, um, me? Well, like, I don't know what kind of fucking yes, question that somebody is. Somebody asked me that the other day, too. A stupid question. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't, how the hell do you respond to that? And we've had people, there was one party we were at, remember that, she was high as fuck, but like, she, she came was. over, she, was, she comes, she goes, tw- she just came over to tell us that twins freak her out and then walked away. She's like, no offense, but twins really, really gross, she said really oh, gross, gross me out. out. That's right. And I wanted, I wanted to snap back. Yeah, she's kind of a dumb bitch. But I wanted to say horrible things back to her. I think, you know, I think it's, I think it's because, um, it's. I don't know. I think everyone always thinks The Shining. I think like that's the first thing. Yes, but The Shining girls actually aren't twins, which is interesting. Oh, that's right. right. They aren't. So I think it's, I think it's a little bit of an uncanny valley type idea where. What does that mean? It's um, why people find. Um, what is uncanny valley? Uncanny valley is a, is a term that means when uh, why people find robots that look like human beings or anything that looks like a human being that's not a human being. The, the fact that they find that creepy. Okay. There's like a scale of how close to look looking like it's like remember Polar Express? Yes, horrifying. There, I got you. Okay, understand. I understand. So I think it's not exactly the same thing, even though I deeply wish that we were actually robots. Same. I think, but no one wishes they were CGI Tom Hanks. No, No. No. (laughs) too scary. Okay, praying mantises and CGI Tom Tom Hanks. Hanks. Those are the two things I'm actually scared of. But I think there's something. It's something similar where it's like we're freaks of nature or something where we where it's not the norm. So you see two people that look exactly alike and there's something other about that. There's something strange right. about that. Mm. And especially when the, when twins look exactly, when they're identical, look exactly, exactly alike. You know, it, it's that. It's that extra creep factor of um, this isn't quite human. This isn't quite something that I'm used to. <laughs> it's weird because I'm an only child. And uh, growing up, I consistently throughout my life have been friends with twins. And I finally kind of realized that I think only children and twins understand each other in a specific way that we get asked the stupidest questions. Yeah. Because people will be like, do you miss not having a brother or sister? I'm like, well, I've never had exactly. one, so I don't what know what question? that means. Yeah. yeah. Like. It's just always cracks me up too when people are like, oh, "I'm fighting with my brother." I'm like, "Well, you don't have to call him." He's like, "Well, it's my brother." I'm like, "I don't know what that I don't means." Know what he's talking about. <laughs> I don't so. understand. Well, I've never thought about that before, Michael. Yeah, it's just so interesting. Um, but as a kid, I really like was always fascinated with my friends' siblings because I like didn't have them. Yeah. So like I'd be hanging out and I'd like you know with my friend and I'd be like, "Well, you know, your sister can come too." And they'd always be like, "Why would I want to hang out with my sister?" I'm like, "Because what's I want to know? I want to yeah. know. I want to understand." Yeah. Uh, so cool. We, we, I guess with twins, you do have a built-in best friend kind of thing, and I think a lot of times there's this idea. It's like, if he stomps on your, f- you stomp on my, if I stomp on your foot, does he feel your pain? Or it's like you guys can finish each other's sentences. But if you spent that much time with someone. I don't think it's like a DNA thing where it's like, and we're not identical, by the way, we're fraternal scandal. Um, <laughs> but um, you just broke the net. Oh no! Um, but it's that thing where um, I just lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Um, I wasn't listening. Oh shit! <laughs> 
Anyway, see, Daniel doesn't know what I was thinking. See, that just actually yeah, proved the point. You. You're, 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 it's, it's roommates to roommates. It's just the idea that if you spend that much time with somebody, then of course you're going to yeah, have it's an not intimate like, knowledge of them and how they how they feel about any particular circumstance. It's not anything sixth yeah. sensey, But pot- potentially, you know, I think people don't understand that, so then they place that on twins is what I think yeah. it is. And I get it or whatever. But. Yeah. Right. I've, sometimes I've had, like, if I – a lot of people ask me, is your brother gay too? And like, they want to know from like a scientific point of view, like they're really fascinated with the idea of, oh, you're twins and you're both gay. That proves it. You're born with it because you guys are the same person. So you both, you know what I mean? Like that, that like justifies some idea. I've gotten that a few times. But I've also read about twins who one's gay and one's not. Yeah, we know know plenty of sets of twins. Yes, it's not a hard and fast. Well, transitioning back into the world of horror mm. is, is the month of October. Yeah. Yes. And I know you both love Halloween. Mm-hmm. So uh, what are your rituals for the month of Halloween? Girl, what do how you, much what do you time do? do you have? I mean, <laughs> I mean, Matthew just... Can you just... Yeah. Matthew just made a calendar for us last week, basically, um, as we dip into October. We have a series of, I mean, e- endless... And I want to invite you to a lot of yes, it. Yes, It's please. me, and you're... Uh, we, we put you on the short list for it. Oh. Um, but you, me, me and Kat, who we talked about earlier. Kat and, Wells. Yeah. Yes, and Daniel. And we'll have other people, but th- we're like the core three. Witches. We watch a lot of th- the same movies every single year. We have special um, snacks that we make. We have special places that we go to throughout Los Angeles. We're trying some new ones this year. Um, we really can I tell about the gay spalpeen? Yes, of course. Okay, so a few years ago, um, I decided to you have should, should the thirteenth annual. Yeah, yeah. Um, my I would have people over well, a small group at our apartment for a while. Yeah, when, when Dion and I together. lived together, we'd have like a small group of people over, including Kat, and then our friend Troyan, who's in Pretty Little Liars. Troyan Belisario would come over, yeah, and she's we got would. Great hair. She she's does. Got great yeah. hair. And we we'd have this party at my place called the Thirteenth Annual Constables Halloween Ball. And every year it would be the thirteenth. Every okay, year it would be well. the thirteenth, and, and I would we, decorate. We would decorate our apartment like it was a Victorian Sleepy Hollow Halloween party, and we would play parlor games. And, and everybody and, had to um, be in character the entire. The entire time, from the moment they the, walked the to apartment. the moment they left, and we, uh, you would have to create whatever you character you you think would be at this party, and uh, we would just see who showed up, yeah, and when they showed up. Like Troyan came as a little uh, little girl one time who had been locked in her attic and she died. She Our friend Devin Kelly girl. came in once as a French prostitute who just climbed out of her grave and she spoke in French the entire night, had dirt and leaves all over her. Deb. Our friend Deborah Ann Wool, who's on True Blood and uh, uh, the Punisher and Daredevil, came as a male lecherous grave digger with one eye hanging out. Oh, I love Sucking that. on... Um, Poisonous pearls. Yeah, sucking. Oh yeah, sucking her pearls. She was patty cake a doll one year with a crack on her face. It was only like six or eight of us, and we would. I found this book of old Halloween parlor games, and there, you guys, please look this up. There's this poem. I want to say it's from 1929. It might be earlier than that. It's called the Gay Spalpeen, and it's Spalpeen is a Spalpeen is a wandering wandering laborer. laborer. And it's this poem about how every October and Halloween the gay Spalpeen appears, and he comes to this town and like finds a a, a bonnie lass to like. Yeah, because a lot of old Halloween traditions and things were about finding you know your true love or whatever. Yes, and seeing if your true love turned over your wet. Um, you had to hold water in your mouth and look at it a reflection. Yeah, and you to leave see out a le- wet coat on a branch and see if you wake up the next morning after Halloween that your love has turned the the arm of your coat. There's also this Halloween parlor drama called By Cupid's Kiss that's about these two girls that are talk about their old their old spinster ladies but they're literally like 16 I think 
and they just like wish for their true loves to come and their true loves come and visit them on Halloween night. So we would do at the 13th annual Constable's Halloween Ball, we would do readings of By Cupid's Kiss and the Gay Spalpeen. So as time has gone on and we've all gone in our separate careers and done things, we haven't done the 13th annual Constable's Halloween Ball in a long time. But what what thing has that stood the test of time is every year we do do a reading of the Gay Spalpeen, which we will do this month. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Now, how many years ago did you do it, do it for the first time? Do you know? I think it was 2010 or 2009. Yeah. Because you definitely need to do it on the 13th year for the 13th. Oh, whenever, right. yeah. We have to bring us all There's together. also a Friday the 13th this year in October, and I'm so shook I don't know what to do. Yeah, I don't know. I'm confused because the Arclight that. is playing the Friday the 13th at midnight on Friday the 13th. But to me, I, I reserve Friday the 13th and Jason for summertime. I'm 60% Halloween, 40% summer. And so like that's that I reserve Friday the 13th for summertime because it's camp. I save horror summer stuff as I know what you did last summer on Friday the 13th. So it'd be confusing for me personally in October for ha- uh, Halloween month and on Friday the 13th to watch Friday the 13th. Does that make sense? Well, for me, I was like, well... <laughs> What? This is be getting crazy, but I'm like, well, let's actually watch. Let's actually watch it at 11:59 on Thursday the 12th. Mm. And there's that Type A personality thing. And I get, then we I can get start it. Start off yeah. because if we're re- anyway. I'm yeah. Thinking. One thing we do want to do this year is watch all the Halloween movies, yes. knowing that how the next one's coming out next year. Let's dig into that real quick because yeah, I'm a let's. huge Halloween fan. Um, you probably see on Twitter that I frequently reference Paul Rudd's leather pants and Halloween. Yeah. Because it's like my favorite thing. Yeah. Uh, probably that movie. And, that and movie. Little Mikey Myers. Early indicator of things to come. Um, no. Angelus Paul Rudd. Oh, Paul Rudd. Um, Halloween is coming back. Yeah. H4O. Yeah. It's the 40th That's right. anniversary. That's correct. And they're bringing Jamie Lee back. What do you think about that? Well, people always ask me. I almost phys- I almost physically cannot Like, this is a whole it. other podcast. I don't know how to just not talk about this for literally an hour and a half. When people <laughs> ask me, like, what's your favorite movie? I say Halloween H2O. And if it's summertime, I say, I know what you did last summer. Now I say Halloween H2O because I stand for that film. I think it's a perfect, perfect You're movie. You're a Shifting Seasons kind of fan. Uh-huh. Okay. It's a yeah. phenomenal, I mean, Halloween H2O is phenomenal. If you watch, I, I live in a world where I, and I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping my head around changing this, but I choose to watch Halloween and Halloween H2O and I kind of, I watch the other ones. Right. But I identify with Halloween and Halloween H2O. Well, I'm all about headcanon in the way that, like, if you like an established storyline, um, you can just kind of pretend things don't exist. Uh-huh. Like, if you were to ask me about the Terminator movies, there are only two of them. Uh-huh. Yes. I've never seen Other ones came out? Yeah, exactly. Because I feel like the end of T2 wraps it up. Yeah. And I, for me, Halloween, although I like all of the movies in different ways, you could really make a strong case that your trilogy is Halloween, Halloween 2, and H2O. Yes, 100%. I stand by yeah. that. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was the, the intention with Halloween H2O, obviously, and, and of course... So what I think is really um, exciting and freeing, especially for a type A personality, that it would be Halloween H4O that potentially, I don't, like, goes in a different direction, a different dimension, different, like, universe here than literally anything's possible, and I want to tear off all my clothes and run into the wind and, like, Yes, it is the most highly anticipated movie of all time for me right now. (laughs) It's it's true. I can't think of a movie specifically, even more so than the Goosebumps movie, genuinely. Yes, Matthew, Kat, and I really sincerely considered getting Jamie Lee Curtis tattoos. We want to have tattoos say, love me, love Jamie Lee. One of my favorite Halloween memories was, at the last thing we did on Halloween night was (laughs) watch the documentary The Night She Came Home, which was documentary. Seen that documentary? You haven't? Have you not seen it? No. If you take off those headphones, throw off that mic, and fuck everything. Let's go right now because (laughs) I love Jamie Lee Curtis so much. Like she's such a specific person. She has such a strong personality, and she's like. 
I, I, I hesitate to say this. I mean this the most lovingly. She's kind of a bitch, but I, like, love it. She's, like, it, just Googled. I mean, if you haven't watched any of Jamie Lee Curtis's interviews, like. Oh, she's she, amazing. She's the greatest to be interviewed. All right, so here here's the challenge. Uh, let's take Halloween out of the equation. Ooh. Let's recommend a horror film that stars Jamie Lee Curtis. What's your next pick? Um, I would have to say. I would have to say prom, prom night. night because of the extended disco dance sequence. Oh my, oh my god, that disco it, dance it's sequence. It's got to be at least 12 minutes long. <laughs> she just keeps going no, and going and going. Fanta- it is fantastic. <laughs> I'm touching myself thinking about he it. He is, <laughs> actually. For listeners, he is touching himself. Oh, uh, what's I, amazing is how choreographed it is. In the pantheon I, of... Uh, <laughs> there is there's a BuzzFeed article somewhere of choreographed dance sequences in non-musical movies. Like it, it, I mentioned it's, She's All That earlier when they just yeah. go to the prom and all those kids know she's that. She's All That dance. is trash. What? Sorry, it, but, but then prom night prom too. Got, like she prom just busts it down. Got to be number. Love one. me, it's got love to be Jamie one. Lee. Um, what Terror Train is pretty good too. Yeah, but uh, I, I, but no, nothing compared. Prom night is, of course. Night. I'm sorry, the first one that's going to come to mind. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and and True Lies is not a horror film, but but come on, the True Lies scene, dance for me, dance sexy scene in the un, like that whole thing. Right. Recently, there's a, a guy that I was whatever, and he had never <laughs> he had never seen that scene, and I'm like. He had never seen that movie and didn't know what I, I was like. What are you talking about? And I like basically chained him down and made him watch. I my I don't have a DVD player, a Blu-ray player in my place, but I have the the DVD, so I couldn't show it to him, and I couldn't find it anywhere, so I had to show him a YouTube clip. But it like cut off like halfway through, no. and it was just him staring at me, me and yelling at him about why it's the greatest scene and like ever and like what's happening. And he's like, honey, he's also like 23, and so like didn't understand like love what, me, love Jamie, Lee. what I was screaming about. Well, I'm gonna recommend a deep cut Jamie Lee Please. film that a lot of people uh, stateside haven't seen, and it's a movie called Road Games. Okay, and it's an Australian horror movie that she made. Uh, I think what? in the mid '80s with Stacy Keach, she's what? hitchhiking across. What are you Aust- talking about? You're talking nasty. This is true. She's hitchhiking across Australia and gets picked up by a trucker who's played by Stacy Keach, and in the process, they run afoul of a uh, serial killer. So it's like a road slasher movie where Who they're do you like, "Think you are?" I'm really disappointed in myself that I didn't know this already. Uh, I think it's finally getting re-released on Blu-ray here uh, in America. I do have the DVD. It was. It was do you have the VHS? Below. Well, <laughs> maybe Slashback. Maybe you can get it at the. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can get those things for like a cent. Like people don't want them. If you, that's where I get all mine is Amazon.com. I think there's a return to VHS though, just like we saw the return to vinyl. I think you're and like almost seeing... cassette tapes. It's starting yeah. to happen. I know. I'm waiting for the laserdisc revival. Oh, girl. <laughs> wow, Road Games. Yeah, Road Games. Hugely recommend. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Mama's Ma- Boys. Ma- Mother's Boys. Mother's Boys. Have you seen Mother's Boys? I have. Um, I don't know that I'm gonna hard recommend it on the show because but, like, she's <laughs> blonde in it and she's shown off her tits to her young underage children. Wait, what's the one where she's the cop? Blue Steel? I don't know. I don't know. Blue Vengeance? I don't know. What's the Alicia Blue- Silverstone movie where she's the cop and it ends with her? Excess on- Baggage? No. No, but that came out right after Clueless. It, it, there's one where she is... Alicia Silverstone's a cop She's a, a cop and she... It, the the movie ends with a chase sequence in an abandoned amusement park. What are you talking about? You heard me. Um, Road games and gotta look that up immediately. Yeah, I actually don't know. My Alicia knowledge is Clueless The Crush. The Crush. That's oh, one of my favorite crush. movies of all time. Yeah. Oh, God, The Crush. It doesn't get yeah. any better than that. No, that is, is a fear. What about fear. The Babysitter? Oh, The Babysitter's okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, genuinely, my thought was, oh, I have something to look forward to after October because I won't watch those movies during this month. No, I'm sorry. Because I have set movies that I'm going to be watching that I'll chain myself to, but November 1st. Well, after November 1st, I do a Harry Potter marathon to wean myself off of Halloween. I watch all the movies. Um, Halloween is very much prominently featured in the Harry it Potter It is. That's, that's why, why it's a good transition. But, good but Harry Potter is very Christmassy as well. Right. So it transitions out of Halloween oh, into the other Oh, it's kind of like when you're in rehab and they like wean you off slowly. Like, I've given this a lot of thought. And then January is a is it's misery. misery. Yeah, January is a misery month. January is a but then I have road games. I got to rewatch the babysitter. Um, I don't want to rain on your parade, but the actual tagline when Misery came out was "This Christmas there will be misery." <laughs> so it is a Christmas film. I keep bumping up a week. <laughs> oh, I never thought of it as a Christmas and film. And then, well, well, it came out. At and Christmas, then it yeah. would be the shi- well, the Shining should be after that. I you guess. know what's great? Showgirls is a Halloween and a Christmas movie. Showgirls is an always movie. Yeah, that's period. True. Yeah, Showgirls yeah. works for literally any of any any. Well, Halloween uh, uh, Halloween is in Showgirls. They go and, yes. and get fajitas. No, it is the Halloween oh, fajitas. Yes. Uh, so you did eat all the chips. You did. <laughs> so outside of uh, Halloween and Jamie Lee Curtis and, and your party rituals, uh, what give give our listeners one film that they absolutely must watch? This the guest. Season. The guest. Oh, absolutely. Dan Stevens. The guest. Immediately run yeah. to see the guest run. as fast as you possibly can. Yeah, I completely. That's agree. one of the most enjoyable movie-going experiences I ever had. And our good friend Chase is in that film as well, Chase Williamson. He does a lot of genre horror stuff, and he's incredible. I love Chase. Um, I, he's really, really great. Yes, The Guest is fantastic. Run to see it as fast as you can. Uh, for those of you who don't know, The Guest was directed uh, by Adam Wingard, who also did Your Next. And uh, it's basically if John Carpenter had made The Terminator. I'm tempted to not even... I, and that's like, it. That's all I'm going to say. Yes, like, because yeah. I saw it. All I knew was Chase said... I saw it, and I said... I saw it and I was shook. And it said changed Matthew, my life. We, it was, go it was right really, now. it was a really validating experience because sometimes I forget. Oh no, is nothing ever going to come out that I'm going to love anymore? Have I seen everything that exists that I will love or that I identify or that feels like myself? I have the. We all have these things that I'm like, oh, that's me. And right. I saw that, and I, I, I don't know if we cried during it, but like I was, I was like tears streaming on my face. I have laughing. footage, I'll send it to you, and I'm going to post it on Instagram as well as a throwback of us dancing after seeing it at the arc light. Literally cat spinning and yes, spinning and spinning. And the soundtrack is the literally soundtrack to murder is, for. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's the first one that comes to mind that's kind of a deep cut that sometimes people don't know that is in, in, in so Halloween-y. It's, it's such a yeah, gift. Yeah, it's an absolute Halloween movie. Oh, that's so good. Well, it ends in a Halloween maze. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we talked about movies that you recommend, mm. uh, but tell me about what you're working on. What's next for both of you? Do you want to go first? Because yours. Yes. So uh, I am just knee deep in Creep Los Angeles right now. Uh, two years ago, I started Creep Los Angeles with um, one of my best friends, Justin Fix. We um, wanted to do an immersive, crazy, weird, nasty, wild, haunted house. And that has evolved into so much more than we thought it was going to be in this past year. We sort of um, stepped outside of the Halloween season and did a year-round show called The Willows that's an immersive uh, horror dinner party that um, w- was a great hit and went very well. And and we ended up um, uh, partnering with Amazon to promote their TV show, Lore. Which, which is based on... Which is based on Aaron Mankey's podcast, Lore, and which premieres on Amazon Prime exclusive. I'm going to get some of these the wording wrong of this on um, Friday the 13th. But they reached out to us to uh, create an immersive interactive experience to promote the TV show. So we threw that together um, the past month and a half. And 
that opens very very soon will run until the middle of november i'm in it i'm so excited it is it's uh, incredible i got to go to a sneak it's beautiful and haunting and erotic and sensual and um all things i like mm-hmm. uh yeah you'll i never want to leave i hate leaving there it, it's hard to, and it's it's the it, if i can just cut Dan off for a second please the level of acting is so good in it it's like it it's it's next level. You won't find better actors. Some of those actors They're in there fantastic. are as good as acting goes. So if you if you if if you listeners out there don't under know what immersive theater is, and if you're in Los Angeles, please or not, please come see uh, Lore because it, it's it's a great introduction to what immer- it's not a normal like haunted house. Right. It is you'll be touched and, and it's, moved, and, and it's like an hour ish long. Forty five. It's a sixty to ninety minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. Experience. I do remember last year I had run into you and some of the other Creep LA actors at a Midsummer Scream, yes. mm-hmm. and it, it was kind of uh, jarring because I forgot that it was an immersive experience, and it was you and a Graham Kurtz yes, who Graham, I know, yeah. and I had just seen Graham the week before at Comic Con. I'm like, oh my god, hey! And but you know he was in character. We had to stay in character, yeah. And very, I just got like a steely gaze. And very I was like, serious. Oh, yes. oh my! <laughs> if you're familiar with the Lore podcast, if anyone who's listening to this and lives in LA and knows the podcast it's really the episodes brought to life which is for me I, I was I've been a fan of the podcast for a really long time and it's like I, I'm like oh my god I'm in this episode right now or this is that story and right. it's all based on real things that have happened but even if you haven't listened to it you don't have to be know what lore is to appreciate oh, it sure. at all but there is an extra kind of secret so that, enjoyment so that's that. what's next and we'll, we'll be continuing to make sort of scary creepy things all year round and I'll see what I you know come up with cool mm. and what about you Matthew? um so there's a couple things i'm working on right now um i'm in a series called nasty habits which um i don't know by the time it comes out it's it's on this platform called blue fever mm-hmm. which is um entertainment that's curated uh by women oh, um great. and uh the, our showrunner is a uh half mexican half filipina bisexual woman who i'm a huge her name's christina de Leon. i'm such a huge fan of hers and um the episodes are free blue fever is free and it'll be on my instagram and everywhere and nasty habits tv.com um i've written one episode for the season and uh, my character is his name's owen um he's really fun i get to like wear a crop top and do coke and stuff that i normally don't get to do usually i get cast in like um i guess like nerdy or squirrely kind of characters and this is much more of like a sexually aggressive kind of guy right um and uh the the first episode i'm on it's just a two person just two actors it's me and molly tarloff from awkward I love molly and i molly love her tarloff, so yeah. much and she's such an incredible actress and so uh, it, Nasty Habits is, is a web series I'm really proud of. We've already we won a bunch of awards. We just recently won the Audience Award, the LA Indie Film Fest. I'm really proud of the work that we've done. Um, I also wrote and starred and directed a play that you mentioned called Dead Boys that I did as part of the Hollywood Fringe Festival, and we won a bunch of awards doing that. Um, <clears throat> it's it's a show about two guys that are trapped in the basement of their old high school at the end of the world. So it's definitely LGBT and horror related. There's a horror element to it. Um, A reviewer called it Brokeback Mountain meets Moonlight meets 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh wow. And it's it's very accurate. It's it's pretty It's one scene and we deal with parts of it are in Spanish and um, it's about race and sexuality and horror and um, it's kind of a love letter to minorities growing up in North Carolina but set at the end of the world Um, and there's kind of a mysterious horror element to it that plays in 
um, <clears throat> development right now for another theater company who reached out to me and wants to do it. And so I'm in the process of working with a dramaturg, which is like a script doctor for plays. Right. And she and I are in the process of rewriting it. We just brought a director on board. So hopefully we'll do an official run of it. I kind of just shoved it up myself earlier this year, and it kind of took off on its own. Um, I, one of my dreams is to be in a two-person play, and so I just wrote one that I would want to be in, kind of the dream part that I would want to play. So Think hopefully I'll get a happen. full run of Dead Boys at an actual legit theater very soon. Um, for the next few weeks, I'm, I'm, we're going to do like a workshop of it with this theater company, but hopefully the public can see it even better than it was before earlier this summer soon. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you both have a lot going on. Uh, I regret to say we're almost out of time, but I do have one final question. Yeah. Uh, and it connects both to your love of horror made for kids and a little bit to your roots on Disney Channel, Matthew. Yeah. Because I never get to ask guests about this. <laughs> but do you have a favorite horror or Halloween-themed Disney Channel original movie? Because I suspect of all my guests, you two would. I love a good decom. I. It's true. We don't stand for Halloween Town as much as you would think that we do, and mm-hmm. I, I can't quite articulate why. I will say that the other night I did fall, we, fall asleep to uh, Disney's Halloween Treat, if you remember what that is. No. It's oh like, my goodness, yes. This is a, it's kind of a like standard. A, it used to come on. It does, I don't think it comes on anymore, but it's like an hour and a half special called Disney's Halloween Treat, and it's just a, like a basically like a montage of clips of every scary thing that's ever happened in any Disney movie put together. I would have to say easily our favorite Halloween piece of Disney stuff is Trick or Treat, the Donald Duck cartoon from the 50s. Yes, I was just thinking that if you have that, we we use an element of that in lore this year that I pulled out of that for our soundtrack, which is was particularly exciting for me. Yeah. And that is, um, you know, Disney Channel aside, that is the first thing I think of as, as Disney pure, perfect Halloween magic is that eight-minute Donald Duck short. If you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. It's, it's just, it's, it's really, really fun. But it's I a real mean, treat. There's, there will never be anything as good as Hocus Pocus. Yeah, I know. I know that's not a decom. It was it's Disney. Not. Was it? It was Disney. Oh yeah, it's Disney, it was but Disney. But it's, it's not, not a Disney Channel original movie. Not a Disney Channel original movie. I'm old enough that I saw Hocus Pocus when it came out in the theater I in mean, July of 1993. Oh, oh my god! Wow, that plays El Capitan here in Los Angeles, and we that's on the Halloween calendar for this year's final time to go. Um, since I recommended Road Games and you didn't know about it, I will say if you can find a Disney Channel, you may have seen this one, uh, a Disney Channel original movie called The Scream Team. With uh, Eric Idle and Kathy and Jimmy, I don't. <gasps> how do I not know that? And it's about uh, they they run the gateway to the world of the dead, so they like help people cross over. And it's kind of dark for how a Disney Channel because people this? die in it, which never happens in Disney Channel original movies. No, so, uh, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, and obviously, Kathy and Jimmy, there's the Hocus Pocus oh, connection. Yeah. So. Uh, but no, great. I love the Donald Duck Halloween. Yeah. We had a ha- the show that I was on, it was Sunny with a Chance and So Random. We had a Halloween special, but we they were very aware of ghosts and we could not say that anyone died or death. That was just completely not allowed. Wow. Yeah. How times change. Yeah. I am excited about Coco coming out, the Pixar movie about the Day of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah a friend of mine saw a sneak preview of it, so it's really good cute. Things. Yeah. I'm excited to see that as well. Well, definitely a must watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can people find you? So um, you can find us on iTunes. If you search for Goosebumps or Welcome to Deadcast, please listen. Um, we're both on Instagram and Twitter. My Instagram and Twitter is Danny Mac 769 even though my name's not Danny or Mac. That came <laughs> from 
I hate being called Matt, and you hate being called. Or you used to call, at the time. I didn't like being so called. to annoy Daniel. I would call him Dan or Danny. But then Daniel kind of like reclaimed it. And was like, oh yeah, I'm Danny Mac now. You can't make fun of it. Yes, anymore. I'm reclaiming my time, and I'm Danny Mac seven six nine. Yeah, my Twitter is I Robot You Jane. Yes, that is my favorite Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode. It's a very specific um, episode. And then my Instagram is Matthew underscore Scott underscore Montgomery. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you both for coming on the show today. Dream Thanks for true. having us. Dream come true. And listeners, uh, please check out Matthew Scott Montgomery and Daniel Montgomery and all of their various uh, exploits. If you're in L.A., please go see Creep L.A. or Dead Boys when it premieres. Watch Nasty Habits when it comes out. And please tune in to Welcome to Deadcast. Their show's great. If and you dare. Yes. And... Uh, <laughs> Listener, beware. Yeah. <laughs> You're in for a scare. That's right. Yes, work. <laughs> I'm Michael Verratti, and this has been Dead for Filth. Yours always in glam and gore. Good night and good luck. Dead for Filth is a Reverie Studios original production and can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, as well as the Reverie app for the best in queer-rated entertainment.